0: You're listening to the GDPR Weekly Show with your host, Keith Budden.
1: Welcome to this week's edition of the GDPR Weekly Show. And as those of you who are regular listeners will know, I'd like to start with a shout out to my new listeners. And this week we have new listeners from London, Cardiff, Southampton, Birmingham, Gloucester, Portsmouth, Ipswich, Newport, Guildford, Bristol, Swansea, Nottingham and then in the UK obviously and then going over to Europe, we have new listeners in Serbia, in Denmark, in Austria, in Stockholm, in Sweden, in Oslo, in Norway, in Brabant, in Belgium, in Rome, in France, in Rotterdam, in the Netherlands, in Madrid, in Spain, Barcelona in Spain, Lazio and Milan, both in Italy, And then down in Africa, we have a new listener in Kampala in Uganda. And then down across to Asia, we have new listeners in Shanghai in China, Tokyo in Japan, New South Wales in Australia. And then moving to South America, we have new listeners in Brazil in Santa Catarina, Sao Paulo and Rio de Janeiro. Up to the top of America, and indeed Canada, and we have new listeners in Quebec. And then in the US itself, we have new listeners this week in New York, California, Connecticut, Massachusetts, Virginia, New Hampshire, Michigan, Washington, Texas, Utah, Florida, Colorado, Nevada, and Illinois. So great to see the new listeners emerging from all around the world, all obviously with an interest in GDPR. So, a big shout out to you, my new listeners, and also a shout out too, to all my dedicated regular listeners who listen to this, this uh, show every week. And I really appreciate all of you who do about 30 minutes of your week uh, to listen to the latest news in the world of GDPR. So, in just a few moments, I'll be telling you what's coming up in this week's episode of the GDPR Weekly Show. Check us out on Facebook. So, coming up in this week's episode of the GDPR Weekly Show, we have an article which highlights an issue with the ICO who've been found uh, not to have a privacy policy for their own employees. We follow that up with an article about the Home Office and two email data breaches that they have suffered this week. We then travel up to Manchester, where the GDPR Data Protection Conference organised by the ICO was held on Monday this week. And we have some news for you from the conference, specifically about the winner of the Data Protection Officer of the Year Award. And also some discussion on topics which were hot topics at the conference. We then look at a data breach suffered this week by Bristol City Council and then we finish this week with a brief look at Apple Pay and Google Pay and how they potentially might help to reduce the impact of data breaches in the future. So as always, a mixed bag of afters in this week's edition of the GDPR Weekly Show. I hope you enjoy this week's show. We always welcome feedback from you. So if you have any feedback on the show or indeed ideas for future articles or for people you'd like us to interview on the show, then please do drop us an email to podcasts at insurity.co.uk that's E-N-S-U-R-E-T-Y or you can find the contact details on the podcast page of the Insurety website at www.insurety.co.uk forward slash podcasts.
0: You're listening to the GDPR Weekly Show with your host, Keith Budden.
1: The ICO this week here in the UK found itself in a real position of uh, don't do as I do, but do as I say. When it was discovered that the... ICO themselves have not yet finalised their privacy policy for their own employees. Obviously, they've got their public privacy policy, which is on their website, but there needs to be a separate privacy policy for employees. And this is something which I know from experience a lot of organisations are neglecting to do. But remembering that your employees are just as entitled to privacy as any member of the public visiting your website It really is quite important that you have an employee privacy policy as well as a public one, which is there on your website. You should have one on your intranet or uh, available some other way to your employees so that they know what you're doing with their data with regards to payroll, performance and so on. And if you need any help drawing up that uh, employee privacy notice, then please don't hesitate to get in touch with us via podcasts at insurity.co.uk. That's dot But I think it must be been really embarrassing for the ICO to discover that they don't yet have this policy themselves. And they're obviously aware that they need to have the policy, A, because they're the ball setters, and B, because they acknowledge that they're still in the process of drafting it, which seems quite incredible some 12 months after GDPR came into effect. So hopefully uh, Elizabeth or one of the officers, will seek to speed up the process there. Uh, all they would say in a press release was that the uh, data policy for the own staff was under review. It had been delayed because of the way that GDPR and the ICO in particular have had a rapid increase in number of staff working for them. Personally, I don't buy that as an excuse as to why it's not ready yet, because basically you should have an employee privacy policy, whether you have two employees or whether you've got 2,000. And so the fact that you've gone up from 80 to 300, yes, I appreciate there's some logistical issues there, but it really shouldn't be a reason for not introducing your employee privacy policy. And so we'll be keeping a close eye on this because obviously it's important that they do draw it up and also I think, not unsurprisingly, there are probably people who are waiting to see what the ICO put in their own uh, employee privacy policy so that they know what information they should perhaps include in their own organisation's um, employee privacy policy. The ICO have apologised for this and said only that they are working to now get the draft finalised as soon as possible within the coming days. So we wait and see and we'll be keeping a close eye on this as I say and if we have any updates on this from the ICO we will bring them to you in a future episode of the GDPR Weekly Show.
0: You're listening to the GDPR Weekly Show with your host Keith Budden.
1: The ICO wasn't the only UK government-related organisation to fall foul of GDPR this week. The Home Office uh, had to register two data breaches this week, both involving emails and both so simple to solve. It's astonishing that somebody like the Home Office is still using CC in emails and not BCC. So a little bit of background first on the two issue, two uh, data breaches that have arisen this week. The first one involved EU nationals who were seeking settled status here in the UK and of course this is something which is going to see increasing pressure. Obviously, most of this year, as we possibly eventually head for Brexit here in the UK. So EU nationals, who've been here for a while, are applying for settled status. And unfortunately this week, somebody in the Home Office emailed 240 applicants and inadvertently shared their email addresses with others who would applied under the scheme. It said it was still trying to identify quite what happened, but there were technical difficulties that they'd been experiencing. Um, Frankly, I don't think it was technical difficulties. I think it was just somebody not thinking, but be that as it may. Um, They said in an email to the EU nationals who'd been affected by the latest error, We take this opportunity to apologise for any inconvenience caused by this incident. We value your patience and understanding at this time. We would like to reassure you we are taking this matter very seriously. So that was to EU nationals seeking social status. And clearly, if there was any uh, fault identified, it didn't get through to most Home Office staff very quickly because um, also this week the Home Office had to apologise to members of the Windrush generation after it wrongly shared 500 private emails addresses while launching the Windrush scandal compensation scheme. Not surprisingly perhaps the opposition have been quick to seize on this and Shadow Home Secretary Diane Abbott said under this shambolic government, the Tories mismanagement of the Home Office stands out as being the most shambolic of all. Data breaches are now a matter of routine, while all those who are unfortunate enough to have to deal with the Home Office face a combination of indifference, incompetence and a hostile environment. Well, I'm not going to comment on the second part, but clearly there does seem to be a taste here that the Home Office need to perhaps Uh, look at their GDPR training and look to make sure that their staff are better educated in how to deal with emails. Well, EU citizens who'd been affected said they felt they were being treated like second-class citizens. while one claimed their data wasn't safe with the UK government because it didn't even know who was in this country. Uh, One EU resident who didn't want to be named who received email Wednesday evening, said When will the UK wake up and realise that EU citizens are being treated as second-class citizens? We've had zero say in the entire Brexit process, despite Brexit affecting us the most. Another EU citizen, also Danish, said Not only am I not welcome, my own data is not even safe by the government who requested the data because they don't even know who's in the country. Nicholas Hatton, co-founder of campaign group The Three Million, said 3.6 million EU citizens are forced to entrust the Home Office with their most sensitive data. A data breach within the first week of the Settled Status Scheme launch does raise the question as to whether the Home Office has the right safeguards in place to keep our data safe. The Home Office said it was taking the matter very seriously and it would be addressing the issue with its staff and its agents. A spokesperson who made themselves available said in communicating with a small group of applicants, an administrative error was made which meant other applicants' email addresses could be seen. As soon as the error was identified, we apologised personally to the 240 applicants affected and have improved our systems and procedures to stop this occurring again. We're keeping a careful eye on this just to see whether they are good to their word and that they have actually changed their procedures. Now, I fully appreciate that in any organisation, particularly the size of the Home Office, then an isolated incident of somebody using CC in their emails when they shouldn't is perhaps inevitable at some point. But to have two in a week would point to maybe a wider problem. And so we wait and see what happens with that. But to all my listeners on this, I'd just like to remind you that if you put someone's email address that's external to your company into the CC of an email and you send that out to whoever else is receiving that email, you are committing a data breach unless you have expressed consent from the owner of that email address to share their email address with others. And in most cases, I'd respectfully suggest you don't have that. And the answer to this is so simple. Just make sure that all of your staff are educated in using BCC. Because by using BCC, then it means that anyone receiving that email can't see who else the email has been sent to and that and that's the crucial point of all this so please if you do nothing else this week as we lead up to easter please just review your own procedures and make sure that your staff are all aware that they should really be using bcc and not cc now i appreciate that some people will say well we don't like doing that because we actually like to see who else has received a copy of the email. And my new response to that is to say, well, you know, there are plenty of people in the world who say I don't like doing 70 miles down the motorway because my car can go faster than that and I can drive faster than that so why shouldn't I go faster than that? Well, the fact of life is it's the law of the land and the same is true here. You can't pick and choose which parts of the law you want to obey. So, Please, as I say, just review your policies this week and make sure that you are encouraging your staff to use BCC instead of CC for emails. And hopefully, the problem won't occur in your own organisation.
0: Check us out on Facebook.
1: We are getting an increasing number of our customers now already contacting us to arrange an audit, as now it's coming up to towards a year from when GDPR came in, and they want to make sure that they're. Operating as they should be. And we'd like to offer this service out to all of you, all of our listeners. Uh, So if you'd like us to perform an audit on your GDPR uh, operations and make sure that you are recording everything you need to be, that you have all the necessary procedures in place and that you know how to action those procedures, please do get in touch with us via podcasts at insurity.co.uk. That's podcast, P-O-D-C-A-S-T at insurity, E-N-S-U-R-E-T-Y dot co.uk. Please make the subject of your email GDPR audit and we'll get the relevant person to contact you. Um, We're able to carry out audits either on-site or remotely and for a pleasantly low-cost Um I'm sure you'll be pleasantly surprised with the figure we're able to provide you with for providing the audit. I can't give a global figure here because it does affect; it does depend on how many employees, or how many customers, how many records, etc. You have. Um, but please do get in contact with us. It's totally without obligation. But do get in contact with us to arrange an audit because uh, if you do want the audit done around. May or June of this year, to be annual from when GDPR came in. We are rapidly filling our diaries for that period. So uh, don't delay, do get in touch. Do it this week and we'll be pleased to provide you with a quote. And for the first five of you to contact us to request a, a data audit, A data breach audit I'm pleased to be able to say that we will provide that to you for 50% of our normal fee but that's only for the first five of you to contact us as a result of this podcast
0: You're listening to the GDPR Weekly Show with your host Keith Budden On
1: Monday this week the ICO held its now annual uh, event for data practitioners and it provided a good opportunity for data practitioners from across the country and from, indeed from across Europe and from the public and private sectors to all get together to exchange ideas for a day. And we'd like to congratulate uh, Mikko Neva, from Vodafone, who is their data protection officer, on winning the prestigious DPO of the Year award. And uh, Micho has done some great work in the field of GDPR and data protection, and uh, a very worthy winner of this year's award. So, congratulations, Mito Neva from Vodafone.
0: You're listening to the GDPR Weekly Show with your host, Keith Budden.
1: We followed much of the discussion at the ICO Data Practitioner event in Manchester on Monday, and not surprisingly, the subject on most people's lips was Brexit. We've dealt with Brexit several times on the GDPR Weekly Show, so I'm not going to go back over things we've already covered, but it. Perhaps worth highlighting that one issue which was causing concern amongst those present at the conference was that if there was a no-deal Brexit, and of course this conference took place before the decision of the EU Council to extend the period for agreeing on Brexit out to the 31st of October, but nonetheless, there's still the potential with the way that Brexit has dawned so far that we could end up on the 31st of October with the same chance of dropping out with no deal. And the issue which came up and was given such concern regarding the no deal Brexit was the scenario where If a data controller in the UK was sending data to a company within the EU for processing, there's no legal basis for the processor to pass the data back to the data controller under GDPR if the UK drops out without a deal. And after some discussion, it was determined that probably the best way to get round this was either, if you're fortunate enough to be in an organisation with offices, not just in the UK, but in other EU countries, then now might be the time to choose to make one of those offices, your key office as far as GDPR is concerned, and register with the appropriate ICO in that country because remember that you only need to be registered with an ICO in the EU in any country in which you do business. You don't need to be registered with them all. If you don't have offices in Europe though, then much as companies at the moment who are based in other countries outside of the EU need to do, the only way that you're going to be able to effectively deal with GDPR is to appoint an agent or a representative who is within the EU so that that agent can liaise with the appropriate ICO. Just as companies outside the EU, as I say, handling European data need to do right now. But if you are a UK company who's passing data backwards and forwards to the EU for processing, I would suggest that you take advantage of this now six-month period that we have before the brexit date assuming that nothing happens sooner but of course if we have a deal this isn't a, a problem anyway but if there is no deal then make sure that you do have an agent in place and perhaps now is the time to start looking for that agent and again if you need help identifying suitable organizations then please do get in touch with us via our email at podcasts at insurety.co.uk and we'll be delighted to help you.
0: You're listening to the GDPR Weekly Show with your host, Keith Budden.
1: It wasn't only central government which had an issue with emails and data breaches this week. There was also a report from local government, and in particular, Bristol City Council. Uh, the council has been forced to apologise to thousands of Bristol citizens after a massive email data breach. And the it almost felt when reading this data breach report that maybe it had come in a week late and was meant to be an April Fool's. Sadly, it wasn't. It was actually true. Um... Council chiefs have needed to apologise to hundreds and they now think possibly thousands of people after those people were all sent each other's email addresses in what was a major data breach. Everyone in Bristol who had signed up to join or contribute to the Bristol Citizens Panel was able to see everyone else's email addresses after an email sent out to members was, once again, just as with the Home Office, was CC'd rather than bcc would so the other recipients weren't hidden. Now, once again, this demonstrates a lack of knowledge, lack of training, possibly. But just to add a note of irony, and this is why I referred to the 1st of April in my comments a few moments ago the content of the email was telling those Bristol residents that their email addresses were about to be deleted from the council's database to meet the rules of GDPR. So, there has to be this kind of irony that the email was telling people they were about to be deleted because of GDPR and in fact the email that was sent that was in itself a GDPR data breach. The council became aware when recipients of the email began to complain not about the email itself but because other people who were complaining were using reply to all and of course that meant that everyone who had been on this original CC list was now also getting emails back from other people on on the email list complaining about the fact that their emails had been released to other people it's Hard to imagine how Bristol Council could quite have made this any worse. And one person took advantage of the fact that they now knew all all these email addresses to invite the whole list, everyone who was on the list, to join a different club and to meet at one of Bristol's biggest restaurants, Zaza Bazaars, instead. Bristol City Council, when we contacted them, said the email was sent out in error. It meant would-be members of or contributors to the Citizens' Panel were able to not only see who else had applied to join the Citizens' Panel, but what their email addresses were. The original email had been sent to everyone who'd filled in the survey to take part in the Citizens' Panel or had contributed their views to it over the past months and years. The email, according to the spokesman for Bristol City Council, was actually thanking the people for contributing and telling them that the way the panel worked was going to be reviewed and that in consequence their email addresses and other details were going to be deleted. A spokesman for the council said, we sincerely apologise for the email that was sent out in in error earlier. This was done by human error and should not have happened. We have reported the matter to the City Council's data controller as a data breach, and they've subsequently confirmed it has been reported to the Information Commissioner's Office as a data breach, as indeed, of course, it should have done. If we have any update on this data breach from Bristol City Council. We will, of course, bring it to you in a future episode of the GDPR Weekly Show.
0: You're listening to the GDPR Weekly Show with your host, Keith Budden.
1: With the growing number of retailers now accepting payment either by Apple Pay or Google Pay, it's perhaps worth thinking about the implications of this with regard to data security. I think it's true to say that there could potentially be a real benefit in paying by Google Pay or Apple Pay or similar. And the reason why is because those payments, of course, do not reveal your actual debit or credit card details, and therefore far less personal details about you. And it would mean, therefore, that if the retailer themselves was to suffer a data breach, actually financially the risk to you is probably reduced because all they would be able to see is your Apple Pay or Doodle Pay ID and not anything to actually give them the further information they need to actually be able to make payments. And so it's something that I'm planning to look at in a episode of the GDPR Weekly Show coming up in a few weeks' time, to look at this in a bit more depth and to evaluate, really, for you whether it is now time to Think about signing up to Apple Pay or Google Pay for, A, the convenience, but B, more importantly perhaps, for the protection that that could give your payment data. And if you've got experience of using Apple Pay or Google Pay, I'd really love to hear from you. So if you have experience of Apple Pay or Google Pay, then please do... Uh, get in touch with me via our email at podcasts at uk. that's ens.co.uk or you can go to our podcast page on the uk website and find the transact details from there. So with, as I say it's a feature I'm planning for an episode of the dPR Weekly show in just a few weeks' time.
0: You're listening to the GDPR Weekly Show with your host, Keith Button.
1: So that brings us to the end of this week's episode of the GDPR Weekly Show. I hope you found it useful. I hope you found it entertaining. Please do let me know. Let me have your feedback by sending an email to podcast.ensureity.co.uk. You can find out more about us at insurety at www.ensureity.co.uk. And I look forward to speaking to you again, same time, same place, next week. Have a good week, everybody, and remember to keep your data safe.
0: Check us out on Facebook.
1: The GDPR Weekly Show is an Insurity production. Follow us on Facebook at www.facebook.com slash insurity.